Welcome to the Football Index Podcast, episode 79. And by now, if you're thinking you're listening to the wrong podcast, because there's some dulcet northern tones on display, well, you're not. In a strange turn of events, I'm Liam, otherwise known as Football Index LM in the FI community, and today's host. You may remember me from the great Fincast episodes, such as episode 12, 25, and 61, as well as the fortnightly blog alongside Fig, Index Trader, and Buzzing Paul. I'm also currently producing content for Football Index Analysis, including a beginner's guide from the site. For any new traders listening, and weekly article series the week ahead, among other stuff. Now that I'm finished reading out my Football Index CV, let's introduce Introduce today's guest, the man himself, the usual host. It's the Fig. <laughs> How's it going, Liam? It, it feels weird being on the other side of this. Uh, I, I, you know. I... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what, say really. <laughs> what's it like being sat in the, in the hot seat for once? You know, you got the, the questions are coming at you thinking fast today. I think looking at the schedule we've got. I don't know. I've I've only really been in the situation a couple of times. Once being on FITV with uh, Tom Randerson, and then the other being on the um, he's got the Assist podcast, where at the end they were like, "Right, this is your speakers' corner. Just talk to us about football index and how it works." And I had two minutes. I was like, "Oh God, how do I?" I mean, my beginner's guide on YouTube is like twenty odd minutes, right? So consolidating that to two minutes uh, wasn't easy. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I think we've got a question later on about trying to in- introduce and tell people about FI, but um, yeah, it's something hard to do in two minutes, isn't it? I might have to just uh, play a pass on that. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. All right, we've got lots and lots of questions today. Um, before we get into them, I just want to mention um, congratulations on your nomination for the Football Blogging Awards. Um, I think hopefully most people by now have done it. Uh, if not, you get on Twitter, little tweet, I am voting for Artfig Guide in the at the FBAs for hashtag best gaming content creator. And if you can do that for him, I think he'll be very grateful. Uh, mm. It's actually a, a lot of- best gambling content creator. I don't know if I've turned into like KSI or something overnight, but that would have been funny. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I'm just trying to throw you off, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm just going to pretend I want you to win. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, the award for the yeah. best gaming content creator goes to. Maybe shows how well I watch your content. I don't know, oh, that's thank worrying, you. Actually. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, considering this is your fourth appearance on the podcast, it is worrying. But um, yeah, thank you for, for everyone that's voted. Um, if you guys want to do so and you haven't done already, you can yeah tweet as, as Liam's just read out or go on www.footballbloggingawards.co.uk or just head over to their instagram page you can comment my um instagram at on one of their pages and uh that, that counts as a vote as well apparently right some interesting ways to vote on that <laughs> um but yeah okay cool so shall we kick off with some questions then let's do it right some real pressing issues to start <laughs> with um fi momentum has asked i think it's a great idea so he's happy with the the, uh, the switcheroo to get you mm. to see it which is good um so my question is does the fig like big rolls big question gun to your head yes or no i do yes i actually oh like God. big rolls honestly like i i really do like fig rolls um with a cup of tea there's like if you get some good fig rolls with a cup of tea it's it's hard to beat really that is that is good i think what about you be... do you like fig rolls yeah not as much as i like you know the football index guide but but the rolls <laughs> are good as well the rolls are real good <laughs> coming soon to you 
<laughs> fig fig branded fig rose well let's let's get it on the merch list anyway <laughs> um we'll press on i think question two just about as serious maybe um how many chickens would it take to devise a machine that could upscale any small animal to the size of a horse and when this machine not if when this machine <laughs> is invented will animals which animal will you choose so I actually did more research on this question than I've done on any other question. Usually, like, if, if you guys don't know, I put the question in a Google Doc for the for the podcast. I send them over to the guest. And I don't really do any research on the questions. Um, I just kind of freestyle them because obviously I'm, I'm, I'm talking about it every week. Um, and I'm talking about it to kind of everyone who DMs me asking questions about Football Index. So I'm quite well versed in a lot of it. But this one, I was like, right, I'm going to have to do some research. And... It, Bear with me on this. There's a couple of tangents I took. One, I looked at um, Infinite Monkey Theorem, which is basically for those of you who don't know, and I didn't really know that much about it before. But if you had an unlimited or infinite amount of monkeys in a room with an infinite amount of typewriters and they're all typing, right, for an infinite amount of time, one of them will produce the works of Shakespeare, just like, just through the odds of probability, right? But for that to happen... It'd be like um, the 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 probability of that happening would be so so far greater than um, you know even like the Big Bang and stuff. It would take uh, way way magnitudes in order longer than currently how like long the universe has been there for. So I'm thinking that has like that's kind of played into my thinking as well. How many chickens? If you've got monkeys, obviously chickens haven't got like any hands to make stuff with. So they'd kind of have to be like flapping about like trying to hit tools and stuff like unless like and then i thought about you know cloning and stuff like that like dna modification so 30 percent of like experts predict that we'll clone our first human by the 2020s so i mean if it's by the 2020s let's say 2025 right we'd definitely be cloning animals in like early 2020s like properly like proper you know like large-scale cloning so i'm thinking by then we can like do something with their dna i'm thinking if you cloned loads of loads of chickens but added like arms to them that's probably gonna like that's probably gonna up your chances and then i guess like chicken wise how many would it take probably like an infinite number of chickens and then like the animal i choose to upscale into the size of a horse would probably have to be a chicken because like if they've like gone and created this like machine it's only fair that one of them gets to become the size of a horse so the answer is an infinite amount of chickens (laughs) but but they'd have to like grow arms somehow (laughs) Right. Wow. Simon Hegarty with that question. Thank you for that. Definitely got more time than I expected. He thought he was going to get with that question. Um, Yeah, that was, I mean, I can't argue with your logic, although you did basically just tell me that it's going to take a lot of chickens, which I could have just said in three seconds, but but I agree. I like, I like the thought process. It was good. Um, Right. Okay. All right. Okay. These questions, uh, I think we've got one more. Um, of a similar nature before we actually talk about uh, the, the platform we all know and love. So Penguin on Slack, I believe, um, has said, if you were in Game of Thrones as a female, whose concubine would you choose to be and why? 
So this guy asks weird questions every single week, and most of the time I kind of ignore them because they're too weird. But every now and then he says one that is like relatively interesting. And obviously we had a quick, quite a few weird questions this week, so I thought I'd add it. I actually didn't know what a concubine was. So for those of you who were, you know, pretty dull like me, uh, it's a woman who lives with a man but has lower status than his wife or wives. Mm, with a man yeah, that's, has. That's... Yeah. Yeah. Um. But like, if we're flipping in it, like, so I'm, I'm a woman on Game of Thrones who has less power than the man that I'm with. I'd probably go for Tyrion Lannister, the 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 dwarf. Like, it's got to be like he he seems like a good crack. We'd have a good time. Fairs, fairs. Yeah, I'm sure he'd. Well, maybe not treat you right from one another <laughs> program, but he, you'd have fun. On to maybe some more relevant relevant stuff um, <laughs> so ej asked um when watching football live does fi dominate your mind i watch games differently every pass now every pass matters now x player passing rather than crossing in a random french game can annoy me more than my own team conceding it has changed football forever for me has it you so i mean Obviously, we're all probably aware of the size of EJ's portfolio. I'm not surprised, <laughs> to be honest. Every point that gets me closer to a dividend of £100 plus, I would probably be clapping <laughs> all sorts. But, but yeah, I mean, um, for me, it has, just to say briefly, but what about yourself? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think it's kind of a similar feeling to, it's more similar a feeling to kind of, players that you have in your fantasy football team rather than like when you're betting on a team if that makes sense like if one of my players doesn't win dividends i'm not like distraught during a game if i'm you know i'm a big arsenal fan as a lot of you know by now if i'm watching arsenal um i don't really pay attention to fi obviously as you're a united fan you probably um feel the same when you're watching united right but i i think when you know you place a bet and something doesn't go your way you can get a lot like angrier and like a lot more frustrated whereas with fi unless it's like you're losing by a point the frustrations don't really come about that often uh because the bets are obviously like in a longer term state i think it feels a bit more like fpl in terms of like how you watch the games but i I, to say that though i do obviously i have watched games or been on the fence of watching games and then being like oh you know, it's on BT Sport. I've got BT Sport. And also, I actually own that player and that player. So why not just, you know, why not watch it? And I think, I, I wouldn't say it dominates my mind when watching football. Especially, you know, a big Arsenal fan. Well, I was watching City Spurs. I think if you watched that game and you were thinking about FI at any point in it, like... <laughs> obviously a lot of people made money off it, but I was just like in shock throughout the whole game. I couldn't do anything else. Um so it's it's one of those things really um where I, I think for me it's kind of more nudged me in different directions rather than kind of dominated my mind if that makes sense yeah I, I would agree on that actually I think um I think it's not changed my approach to watching football in terms of the games that I would have originally always watched like you say the big games the Champions League games the the Manchester United games but I do think um, it has, as you kind of alluded to there, it's kind of broadened my football horizon in terms of I want to watch more games. Like I'll be watching, um, as you say, games on BT Sport on a Sunday night if it's a French league game. And I think the thing that FI has that maybe even FPL doesn't have is the sense that you can watch 
your your players and they can have done what they've done but then you're also interested in the players that are against them as well in mm, terms of mm. you've got that midfielder that's holding on to top spot but then there's two games left and you don't want Tony Cruz to come in and steal it for a late kickoff of Madrid or whatever you know so I think that's where it kind of gets the extra mile um in terms of like as you say betting and then maybe FPL but but yeah no I totally agree I think it, it definitely has uh, had some kind of influence on most of us I think anything else to add to that or are you good? no not for me really I think obviously as you mentioned DJ's portfolio size maybe he's more concerned about like injuries and stuff because if you own a player in great 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 bulk and they get like a leg breaker um, and there may be of a, I don't know, like if, uh, for example, if we had another Zlatan scenario, you're looking at a, a heavy, heavy, heavy drop in uh, player value and potentially a situation where that value will never be recuperated. I mean, we've had players, you know, I, I remember Lanzini, for example, random player getting injured, but he was kind of at an age and at a profile where he's come back from that and now probably at a price that he was, he's higher than he was before. Um, similarly, I think, you know, during Christmas when Akanji got injured and he was supposedly out for the season, players like that, then maybe he doesn't have that much of a concern about, but maybe if he's watching and, you know, if a Ronaldo broke both legs or something like that, would he ever get back to the price level that he was at before? Maybe not. So maybe that 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 has made it um, different for him. I don't know. But like, I mean, I've I've watched games that I have never watched or would never have watched before. I've watched way more European football that I w- would ever have watched before. But um, I think those have been nudges rather than like radical changes. We're gonna move on to some fig content related questions now so since you're the <laughs> guest we might as well get to know you a little bit better so your thoughts on the previous podcast and that kind of stuff um so we've got a first question from nick lfc who says what have been your top three pod guests and why <laughs> well you're gonna get offended if i don't say you right so i mean it would be the smart move by you, right? <laughs> so you'll, you'll you'll take one of the spots up um i mean i, I think i've uh, I've enjoyed different podcasts for different reasons. Um, I, I would say that the one with Sam Friedman recently, um, if you guys haven't checked that one out, it was really, really interesting, but mostly because he said loads of stuff that I didn't really think about before. Um, and that that's always like a, a massive pleasure when someone does that um, rather than like kind of circulating things that we've had on before and that's kind of why i'm trying to keep trying to keep a variety of guests so i definitely think he's i I don't want to rank people in terms of top there's too many variables but he's he's been like one of the most interesting people i've spoken to in life not just football index wise uh full stop um i'm trying to think of another one um I mean, I, I do always enjoy the ones with ASP. I, I know now there's kind of speculation as to whether he's not on the platform anymore. But those those ones have always been quite um, enjoyable for me just because of the way he, he, he thinks about the, the product and the platform. Uh, whether or not he, he believed those things because he's now supposedly left or not, I don't know. But I've always found those chats quite interesting. So I don't want to say top three podcasts, but maybe, you know, there's there's been ones where or people that have kind of, made me think completely differently or they've kind of challenged my opinions so much that um they've made me after the podcast i stop and then i'm just like thinking about it for the next 30 minutes like what has happened there and you know editing it i'll listen to it again but with some of them i've kind of listened to them with more uh attention when editing as well because i'm trying to like 
soak in all that information that definitely happened with the the sam one because he's he's such a smart guy and um said so many intelligent things that a lot you know honestly went over my head so uh i definitely think that 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 um that those two guys definitely made me made me think about it. i mean big shout out to football index sotd as well uh who, who we know really well who's a really really smart guy i mean you meet him and he's just like he, he seems just like a normal guy but he is like ridiculously smart um and, and there are loads of others i mean i th- i think i've i've been blessed really with having um 99% of the time someone has come on and done a really really awesome job and i think people who you know this is tangenting a little bit but people who kind of not slag guests off but say oh i didn't really like that guy i didn't really like him but it's kind of tough isn't it i mean liam when you first came on the show like it's tough coming on when you've never done something like this before and actually like doing a good job of it yeah i think i think it's easy to struggle or to you know you've got great points to get across and the question doesn't quite come up how you want it to or you're not quite able to say what it is you're trying to get across yeah i think i think you've you've done very well with the guests you've had on i think most of them like you said the majority have handled it really well and have, have got to come across and, and got across their points um in a very good way yeah so i think you've top three would be difficult for me as well like as an outside perspective but yeah definitely has been very smart guys on there um i'll move on if you want if you're ready for that mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, next question. Uh, very similar in a way. Um, I'm curious to know which of these guests have given you the biggest light bulb moment or who have captivated your interest the most. I mean, we may have just answered that. Yeah, I think uh, this is an interesting question from Aaron, but obviously I've probably answered it in the previous question. I think it's uh, Sam who, who kind of talked about this notion of um, if you reduced commissions greatly, but also reduced the the size of the hold in terms of length so if it was a three-year hold if it if it was actually um a, f- uh, a six-month hold so you divided the, the holds by six but then you commit you divided the two percent commission by six it'd actually be exactly the same scenario really um which i thought was really interesting and i don't know if you listened to to that show but that that was something that really interested me yeah, yeah, I do. I think I remember that actually. Yeah, it was um, it was something that, as you say, you had to sit down afterwards and be like, "Hang on, is, how does that work out?" Like, but yeah, it's it was a very good point, uh, especially when you look at now how much emphasis is put on uh, the three year hold thing, or potentially you know the thirty day hold thing with the old IPDs and everything. Um, but then, as you say, he kind of brought about this theory that the time doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, it was it was an interesting one that I have to agree. It was very good. And I think, to give him credit, Football Index Big Don, when he came on the show, he talked about how people are actually looking at the short term where you can buy a player when they're 23 and hold them for seven years. You just have to recycle them after the first three years. And I think Football Index chat that we've seen on the timeline, he recycled about 900 of his Neymars that he's had since the very beginning of Football Index. So... I think people have thought about this in a different way, but maybe just not kind of articulated it in the same way that Sam has. So uh, I'll give him credit, but also those two guys a lot of credit as well. Um, Spoonless FI wants to know, did you want to run a podcast before you discovered Football Index? (laughs) uh i didn't like i didn't actually know anything about podcasting i didn't really listen to any podcasts it was that the podcast thing was kind of an accident like so the the scenario was i was making these youtube videos fairly regularly 
uh, between July 2017 to about September. And then I kind of accepted a job. And I realized that my time was going to be a a lot more constrained in terms of making videos. And I didn't want to kind of kill myself making, you know, two or three videos a week or whatever it was that I was doing at the time or even once a week. It might be a struggle, especially when you're starting a new job. And obviously my first job as well coming out of uni. So I thought, like, what could I do um, that would be like weekly, less time intensive uh, and, and it would be like a lot more regular? And I just thought, okay, like there's a lot of people doing podcasts. The company that I was joining made quite a few podcasts. So I was like, right, okay, let, let's try this. And uh, old Bonza Betts or Bonza Index now as we know him, unfortunately, he was the first ever guest. And if you go listen to the first episode, it was horrific. Like we were awful. Um, it was like 25 minutes long. Uh, there were so many ums and ahs. There was so little insight. <laughs> But it was like, we did it. And then by the time we got to, you know, when you came on on episode 12, it was something that had thousands of listeners and was, um, or maybe not thousands at the time, or certainly hundreds per episode. And people really enjoyed it. I mean, after the first episode, I kind of looked at the numbers and I was looking at the, the YouTube views I was getting at the time. And I was thinking, wow, there might actually be something here because off after 24 hours, a lot more people had listened to that first episode than... Um, then people had watched some of the videos. So after that, I kind of did a lot more research, um, looked at kind of where else I could plant the podcast. Eventually, obviously, as you guys know, uh, took it off YouTube um, and onto mediums that kind of suit it a lot better, such as iTunes, Spotify, and all these other like podcast hosts. But now I kind of, I make podcasts for a living, which is which is a blessing. But it, it's weird how I, I kind of just fell into it um, by chance, really. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Because I remember, like you said, back in in the day there, I remember you, you chatting to me and, and RC at the time about doing maybe a one-off kind of show. Um, and then I remember, obviously, you started it with Bonza and, and it, it continued and it's kind of spiralled from there. Um, and yeah, I have to say, uh, on behalf of everyone, it's been very good. You've, you've helped a lot of people. And um, back to the awards earlier on, I, I hope you you can um, at least, you know, come come close with that because <laughs> you, you maybe if i give people the right hashtag you might do um but, <laughs> but yeah it's um it's, it's been it's been very good very helpful content for everyone i think that's the best bit is that um not just you know people who are new or whatever you, you've got people on here that um that anyone can learn stuff from like you say you're hosting it and and you're you're pulling out insight yourself from, mm. from guests and and that's something that i think has been really welcomed by everyone to mm. be honest. but there is a slight caveat though i did just say there before that i needed something like less time intensive i didn't actually quite realize how time intensive it'd be after i did the first episode so it was like oh crap now i've now people like it and i'm like five episodes in i have to do this every week um which which becomes a bit of a struggle when you know you're trying to go on holiday and stuff but luckily there's you know people like yourself that i can call upon to to do like an episode and then put it out three weeks later where we talk about like a specific topic and it's a bit like more evergreen like the you know, the shows with um, Football Index uh, SG and uh, Buzzing Pool about PB. Yeah, so I think it's, um, yeah, it's, it's been great. And I'm, I'm glad it's helped so many people. And long may it continue. 79 episodes now. Good fun. Yeah, a lot of episodes. Good luck to someone uh, starting now and catching up. Jesus. <laughs> um, anyway, we'll, we'll move on. Um, this one I just 
snuck in this morning because I thought it was a very good question. I think it's something that we'll all uh, like to know, kind of carrying on from what we just said, really. Um, Football MDJ asked, how do you plan to evolve the FIGCast over the coming months? Anything you'd like to change or add to it? So as you say, you've evolved it so much over the last um, 79 episodes. But is there anything else you're looking to add in uh, in the near future? Oh, man, I've got so many ideas, but it's just finding the times to do it. <laughs> um, I, I, I want to do... I want to do loads of things, right? But I think one of the main things I want to do is is take this in front of a live audience at some point um, and actually do do the Figcast live. Um, but but in terms of content, I don't want to I don't want to give away any of the jokers that I've got down the sleeve um, <laughs> because uh, for, for obvious reasons. Because I think I've got a few ideas, but it's just um, it's just finding the time to do them. But immediately. Uh, you'll probably see like a, a special episode 100 uh, live in front of an audience somewhere in London, which would be good fun. Um, and, and you know, hopefully we can get some good guests on, hopefully get uh, some of the Football Index guys on. Um, I, I don't know, maybe in terms of content, I could try and get more um, more kind of dual, dual person shows on because I thought, I don't know, if you guys haven't listened to the last episode, please do so, but with Ollie Price-Bates and um, and Joel, Football Index AB, it was just a super good show and they bounced off each other so well and I, it just kind of felt like I, I didn't actually have to do it much in terms of I just had to throw to one or the other and they gave the insight rather than myself, which which I, I kind of really enjoyed. So, I mean, what I just say is, is kind of watch this space in the next you know six months nine months 12 months i think there's going to be some really interesting stuff um but yeah no i think uh i i'd, I'd like to get as many people involved as possible but i think as you guys know as you know liam i do like such great due diligence in terms of guests and trying to find people to come on i'm always like liam what, what do you think of this person are they you know are they intelligent blah blah blah, blah. Um, and i'm just trying to to make sure that everyone comes on um gives value to the rest of the community which is which is something i'm becoming like more and more careful about especially if you know someone joins the index they seem quite smart and i'm like come on and they suddenly kind of just try and shill all their players it's not really good for anyone at the end of the day i want people to be able to take something away from this show so that's why i'm kind of being a lot more cautious on that end cool a lot to look forward to there then um we'll move on to chfia's question um who has said how do you explain in a nutshell fi to potential newbies is it too complicated now if you want to just say yes and move on then that's fine <laughs> I think it is too complicated um, and I guess FI are trying to move into the direction of let's try and make it less complex with things like you know opening up to the whole index instead of a top 200 come next season that's a step but it's a little step right <sighs> how do you explain FI in a nutshell to potential newbies I think the opening line is and I've always said this if you combined fantasy football um traditional betting and exchange and kind of draft kings and all those um products if you can buy combine them into one you get this product football index which is a football stock market where you can buy and sell players and uh you make you also make payout uh money via payouts that the company themselves pay out if that makes sense so it is tough i mean i, I was saying before the the show started that um to you the 
the beginner's guide I've made on YouTube is like 20 minutes long, right? So consolidating that into like a minute is nearly impossible. But that opening line where you kind of try and hook someone on the buying and selling of players. And I think um, Mike has actually mentioned this, that they've actually seen better results on a CPA basis, cost per acquisition, from talking about capital appreciation and buying and selling of players which is totally understandable right people see this from the outside in and they're like wow you know i could buy my favorite player sell them for money and make loads of money it it is just a a gripping product as soon as you start explaining it to someone for five minutes i think the the podcast with andrew slavin a couple episodes ago the the scottish football expert after we dropped off the line we spoke about it for like five ten minutes and he was like wow that's that's really interesting I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have a look into it. So even if people don't join straight away, they definitely I know for a fact that they definitely have a look into it, which is uh, I guess positive for us, right? Yeah, definitely. I think you need them to do that as well. I need to go away and uh, have a little look, as you say. I've written beginner's guide and stuff myself, and and you want to just slim it down to the the bare details, but it's so difficult to just say that oh, this is all you need to know because there's so much in a way that can affect the price. But in, in the same way, I suppose it's like not to compare it too much to an actual stock market, but the fact that so many variables come into the, the play of, of how prices move and what people think make prices move more than anything. And it's, it is hard. That's the hardest bit, I think, is the price movements. More than anything else, you can explain dividends and mm. whatnot. And as we're going to come on to in a little while about, about Messi and stuff, it, you can tell someone how much money someone's made and then, and then explain to them that their price has gone down. And it's, it can be something quite difficult to get your head around. Certainly um, but but yeah, um, that would be for me the hardest thing I think to explain. But that, as you said, it is possible in a nutshell, um, and you have to just kind of hope that they go away and have a little look into it. I think that's the key for me is when I'm trying to get people to to sign up is is not to try and tell them everything there and then because it, it's just overwhelming and you can just get caught up and you're just rambling at someone for 10 minutes and they're just going to walk off and be like what was that guy talking about mm. but if you can just leave them a little bit of something or send them a link to something even to, to you know to your youtube channel for example um get get them a little bit interested um then i think that's the way to go for me mm. anyway i was trying to explain it to, to somebody else definitely cool um so we're going to move on to mr sweet fa he has a question, and it is, if you could choose three people to be on your next podcast, who would they be and why? Now, I'm not sure if you're going to go down the route of actual Twitter handles or if you're going to go, like, uh, I don't know, James Bond or whatever. I don't know what, what could come out of these answers, but we'll, we'll see what you've got to say on that one. Well, let's let's go for, the, like, the dream guest list, right? I think I really want to get one of the kind of OG big Betfair traders on. That would be quite really interesting, I think, the, the when people were first starting on Betfair Exchange, what it was like and, and talking about how that evolved as a product because I see the roadmap for Football Index being a little bit similar to that rather than, oh, you know, what, what happened with Bet365? How did that start? Getting someone who's actually kind of in the uh, FX or like... Um, you know capital market side of things in in actual financial services would also be really interesting and i think you know someone like gillian balagay who's who's uh who's now like a football index ambassador and you know there's people like louis tomlinson who we who we know is is kind of dabbled with football index and and that as as you know i've i've, I've dm'd him a couple of times hoping that he'd come on the show uh but in terms of people in the football index, uh, community right now i think it'd be really interesting to get um for example, I think I saw FI Panda and FI 
SOTD, I feel like we mentioned Lee every single episode, talking about Messi quite a lot. So having it as like the Messi debate would be really interesting. Um, you know, there's loads of people I want to get on. It's just, it's, it's a struggle getting people on. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough. That's a good answer, actually. Um, Football Index Scotland, then, on the flip side of that, um, is saying, who is banned from your show? Which three traders will never be on the fig as they are pillocks? <laughs> no, I don't think you're going to answer that, but I just really wanted to say it. So, uh, <laughs> any thoughts on that? <laughs> so, okay, so there is one show that never made the light of day, and and not many people know about this. But it wasn't actually a football index trader. It was with a journalist, and, and this was someone that has written for large publications, right? They have written for the likes of Marca and, and lots of other large Spanish publications. And, um, you know, I'd looked through their work, and it seemed pretty interesting. They were actually recommended to me by someone else that I'd had of that nature, like from another journalist. And I was like, right, okay, let's do this. And it'll be like a, a Spanish football special, which we eventually did with uh, Ryan Baldi, who works for... Um, Football Whispers, who did an awesome job, to be to be fair to him. He came in quite last minute. And, uh, he, yeah, he just did a really great job. And um, and and we did the, the podcast, and the guy sounded kind of drunk at times. And and, and at the beginning, he was, he was giving quite insightful uh, questions or answers, sorry. Towards the end, uh, he really tailed off and, and was kind of going off on these random tangents and towards the end i asked a question i think about messi and he kind of went oh you know uh you know uh messi he's just an absolute wonderful player and he he genuinely i shit you not fell asleep (laughs) in that moment he fell asleep and i was like hello like is anyone still there it was really 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 strange and um and yeah, like he, he fell asleep and I was like, are you all right? And he was like, oh man, I'm going to have to go. Uh, but like really, really like uh, he, he said it in, in such a kind of dozy tone as if he he was like either horrendously drunk or just like really, really sleepy. Um, so <laughs> that 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 is a story that, uh, yeah, people, not many people know, but here we are. And, and that, that one never saw the light of day. And obviously I won't name the, the person for, for obvious reasons, but it was uh, it was certainly very, very interesting. Wow, that is uh, yeah, that's something else. That's more than I expected to get out of that question. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad uh, that one was asked. Um, right, we'll we'll move on then. Um, hopefully, we are all still awake at this point. Um, <laughs> given the announcement and end of season around the corner, there will be a drop in PB players. So, when is the best time to purchase PB focused players so that you can enter near enough at the bottom? That's from ash fi um and i mean it's it's, it's a very good question but it's like how long's a piece of string kind of thing I yeah think. i mean um, last last year it happened in like july right yeah i think i think it's one of them isn't it when it's when someone will start off it'll happen the drop will happen and then and then someone will start buying back and then everyone else will panic and oh my god i need to get back on these players and, and it and that seems to be how it's worked the last couple of years i, I think anyway i don't know about yourself yeah i think with this this year it might be a situation where you buy someone in an under 21 tournament tournament in the cup america or the africa cup of nations and you end up just holding them because of transfers or eventual pb right there might be a player that you buy during a tournament where you're like okay well they're going to play in this tournament they they might get some transfer links and worse comes to worse they'll be back playing in like 
six weeks. So I think we might have a lot of situations like that. I actually think that the whole what's going to happen over the summer thing has been way, way, way overblown. And I think FI have only had to act because there's been loads and loads of new traders that haven't been through a new uh, through a summer before. Because I was actually speaking to Mike at the um, the Football Index quiz and I said, you know, like I think you guys, whatever you do, I think it's it's going to be overblown because I think uh, the only reason you're doing it is because there's loads of new traders and I, I completely understand it. You don't want to waste all that money that you've made on uh, done on marketing in terms of acquiring all those customers to retain them. But it's a shame that you're going to have to spend all this money on uh, kind of, you know, stimulating the market. And obviously, you know, I'm super, super happy with the announcement. I think it's, it was an awesome one. Everything about it was great apart from, you know, maybe the, the actual trading ability crashing in those first 30 minutes. But, um, <laughs> But, but I mean, if you look at the Bundesliga winter break that we had, some teams didn't play for over three weeks, right? Players over the summer might only not play for six weeks, eight weeks, Liam. That's usually the break, right? Late May to, I mean, so I think it's just a situation, a game of chicken, really, between traders, whether who who buys those, those players first, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's how... How it'll go again, really, as you say. I mean, I, yeah, I'm very happy with the announcement from a from a customer side of things, but I, I know what you mean in terms of them having to do it or feeling like they have to do it um, to try and keep people in. So, I'm just gonna quickly read out the next question because it's quite similar. I think we just kind of brushed on it, and you might have something else to add. Um, Andrew says, "Hi, Fig." As we all know, there's no major to- tournaments over the summer. Obviously, you've just mentioned the uh, the Copper America and the Under-21. <laughs> probably going to get some kind of coverage as people scrap around. Um, but as he says, there's no major tournaments. Um, do you think the increased media spots will stop traders from cashing out? Also, what are your expectations for the market growth next summer, uh, next season? Sorry, um, Especially with the announcement of the increased advertising. Oh, that's a hard question. I definitely think the increased media stocks are going to stop traders cashing out. I think I wrote on the blog, Liam, it's 2.5% of players in the top 200 are going to get payouts, which is nuts. Like, that is crazy. Off the bat, if you own any player in the top 200, that means you've got a yeah simply 2.5 percent chance of winning some dividends which is which is nuts right even taking all variables aside you've got a chance there uh i, I certainly think that not much money is gonna in fact i i would expect a lot of money to flow into the market during summer where people have a bit of time off maybe you've you've just been back from a holiday um and you've got an extra couple of days off before you go to work and you know you you look into this thing more and more and i think it's going to be similar to what happened during christmas where people finally got the chance to sit down and have a look at what football index is and how it works i think we're going to have the same situation over summer especially with the plans that football index have in terms of the 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 amount of marketing spend they're going to put into this i think we're going to see you know you're going to see in july august we're going to have some real big booms i think yeah, just to give you um, a couple of stats on, on this new uh, media payout as well. Uh, looking at 2017 through to January 19, the average for coming top of the media is 1,313 points. And that drops down to third, which is 601. So 601 points was the average for getting a third place okay. payout. Um, if you look at the fifth place, which is obviously now what they're paying out, uh, it's 423. Okay. 
that's a 30 percent drop so they you now effectively need 30 percent less media points to get a media payout than you have done in the past and the media payout is now higher than it was before so if anything this is probably the biggest media it's ever been i'd say in terms of not just in the numbers in terms of the amount of dividends they're giving but mm. in terms of the how as you said e- not easy it's going to be but it's there's going to be players like like your Pogba's and stuff that are going to have to do virtually nothing to rack up 400 points yeah yeah i mean you're completely right i'm, I'm literally just going on the buzz scores now um you've got coutinho on 160 points and in third and it and it's just all about um criticism over a celebration that he did a, against united you know what i mean like nothing absolutely nothing stories and it's going to be interesting right some of the sometimes in summer we're going to have real lulls in terms of the media action uh there there might be a couple days where there's not really any big transfer rumors and journalists will just write about anything right yeah exactly um so yeah i think it's going to be uh one of them where it's quite easy to to get into the dividend winning spots if, if you like but as well i mean prices as well probably react to that quite a lot mm. i would imagine if you think so because um you know people love to jump on someone that's doing well in terms of a pb score on the day but they don't have that you know the itchy trigger finger kind of thing you know like, <laughs> oh, this, this person's top before two o'clock or this person's in the spots and they're cheap because i mean what's the, the bottom of the 200 now is like 80 pence or something yeah i think it's uh lowest prices currently grimaldo and morelos or both 82p i mean i mean not saying that either one of those are going to get in there but someone of that price you're looking at again over a one percent return in one day just becoming fifth in the media so it's the numbers are crazy really mm. um, but but crazy good for us so so yeah i think that's that's something definitely to look forward to i'm more excited for summer than i think i have have been in the past in terms of not so much last year because we had the world cup but maybe the year before when we just had the uh lukaku was it Lukaku Morata? And- <laughs> that was nuts. That 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 was. I think we'll get on to best and worst trades at some point. And that was. It's certainly that summer that um, <laughs> triggers my brain because I think there was. You know, I made a lot of money on some players and then lost a lot on on a lot of players. So we'll talk about that at a later point. <laughs> yeah. Again, another question that we've we've possibly brushed over a little bit, but you may have something else to add. Um, Sean, if I says. If I have announced that they're troubling their advertising budget, where do you think this is best spent and why? Hmm. I think the YouTube ads have been pretty good recently. Um, I'm trying to think of what they did differently in January to prior advertising ex- uh, expenditure. I think obviously the Sky adverts have probably got to stay, not maybe because of acquisition reasons, but just for like brand recognition and and strengthening the football index brand likewise you know the tube adverts i think tube adverts are great honestly i think they're really and if you can get them for a decent price then keep on doing that bus adverts as well like you'd be surprised i've been walking around with people at work and they've been like oh pet isn't that the thing that you know you're you're on so definitely think keep those two the youtube ads seem to be working uh apart from that i think it's I don't know. I'm tr- trying to think of something interesting they could do. Maybe advertise on a few podcasts. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, look, it it wouldn't make sense to advertise on mine, right? Because everyone who's is is on Football Index is listening. Well, not every time everyone who's on Football Index, everyone who listens to this is on Football Index, rather. So if you're looking at big sporting podcasts, I'm thinking like I listen to the Arscast, the Arsenal football podcast that gets like millions of listeners a month or or hundreds of thousands of listeners a month. So if you're looking at cheap advertising with high cpa or something that actually gives your brand a bit more not credibility but just speaks to people in the back of their minds then i definitely have a look at podcasts as well as long as they're not too expensive and people aren't ripping you off i think the talk sport stuff is great as well i think we'll see a continuation of that obviously yeah no that's that's fair enough what about you (laughs) um i think yeah i'm not sure i'm i would be interested to know how well the advertising boards at the at the matches you know they had like four oh yeah of course um because obviously they were quite lucky with that one where in terms of i can't remember who it was actually scored for for us for manchester united and and it was uh it was maybe marshall or rashford and and it came up on the you know the advertising board in the background was the football index one and that replay of the goal kept getting shown everywhere and football index kept popping up everywhere um so i mean if they got stuff like that quite cheap but like you say fulham or something um but I just don't know how effective that would be. Um, it, it was yeah. Again, it was maybe more brand recognition than acquisition. This is um, a good one. This is a good one that I've just thought of the top of my head. And it's actually because you've mentioned that. What about advertising on football manager boards? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. People have started to do that. They've started selling advertising on like virtual games. That so Very good idea, actually. Why not? Because especially the number of people I think now relate football index to football manager especially yeah. if you find the youth players and stuff and, and i think a lot of people get their ideas from football definitely manager. definitely um so i mean yeah it could could be a, a good shout out actually let's hope someone from football index listens to this and uh, <laughs> gets a pen and paper out but that's a, yeah that's a good <laughs> one actually uh right moving on then kind of similar question again but um a good one actually from uh will g off slack he asks uh what could be the result of FI Triple A marketing budget. Obviously, we've covered that. But the interesting part here is: will the increase in prices on the top players? Uh, will this increase prices on the top players as more people join in, regardless of whether or not they're good PB? They're posting good PB scores. So I think it's something we've seen a few times in the past where people just pile into the top, hoping that it goes up. And it has happened a lot. But then maybe after the share split, I think we've seen a lot more money going to maybe the bottom. Hmm. Um, so I don't know. What do you think on that one? I think what we saw last summer, Liam, and you know, you can correct me if you think I'm wrong here, is people bought players that had done well historically on PB, right? And then people had also bought players that they thought would do well on pb and they thought uh, they they also bought kind of younger players who might break into the team or whatever and they also bought players who had just been transferred into teams that might have a big effect on that team so i think what happened is people thought there was value in so many different places that it kind of ended up moving nearly the whole of the index up because people were covering so many different bases yeah i think I think that happens a lot now, actually. We we seem to have so many different trading strategies and, and then someone else jumps on that and then you end up with lots of different, not, I don't use the word bubbles, but lots of different like 
clusters of, of money going into different areas like you say oh well this person did well last year so i'm going to buy him but then i think this person might do well next year so i'm going to buy him and then this person's young and might play in the un- the preseason matches so i'm going to buy him and then everyone kind of gets the same ideas because there's only so many ideas you can get during summer i suppose yeah um and people but- get bored with money in their balances right yeah exactly you can sit around and 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 wait but as you say i think we will and i think it'll happen again we'll see the historic performers go up again in uh in the summer and people are happier even if people don't want to hold them they're going to put their money there rather than having it sat in the balance i think yeah Um, Yeah. so yeah i think especially if they're picking up um users over the summer i think that is what will happen not so sure about going into next year but again suppose it will all if money's got to go somewhere then i suppose it will go everywhere and it will undoubtedly some will go into the top so i suppose he's right in in what he's asking in the question i think Mm, mm, definitely cool right well now i think it's time for a little break so fig can tell you about index gain summer transfer season is almost upon us so index gain are here to help with a new premium service with all the latest player transfer rumors consolidated by their bot along with a rumor likelihood rating of low medium to high this is the first of many tools to help with your summer trading head over to indexgain.co.uk and you can use my code fig 2019 for 50% off your first month of premium membership i'd uh, highly recommend it it's a great service and you guys should definitely check it out and check out their slack community as well there's over 2500 people all chatting on the slack app all right and now back to the questions uh we're moving on to a new topic a very current topic of messi which we've got two questions here it's a quite similar so i read them both out um we've got Sebastian wants to ask, what are your thoughts on owning Messi? And Jack Norwich wants to know, what is your opinion on Messi's price drop topic? What possible logic is there behind the greatest player of all performing brilliantly, both on the pitch and on PB and MB, and then going down 30p? So just before I ask you as well, I'm going to give you some more stats. You know, all of us. Oh, yes, please. Um, So this season, Messi has hit. 13 scores above 200. <laughs> That's more than double anybody else. Ronaldo, Hazard, Neymar and Kimmich, I think I've got six. He has an average score of 160, which is higher than last season. So far this year, if you adjust for the new dividends, uh, the new dividend payout system, he's earned 48p in PB. 31 was the highest of all of last season. So he's already what, I mean, last season, you've got to take into account that we doubled PB up about two months in, but still mm-hmm. we're, we're 50%, what, 50% above that now already. Mm. We've got a month left. Um, he's the fourth highest earning media player over the last two years, yet he's down £1.07 from his maximum price a month ago, and he's now just 20 pence more than uh, Callum hudson Adoy. <laughs> and the final piece of information I want to give you is that after giving you all of that and sounding like I'm very pro Messi, I actually no longer own him. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So, what are your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> you found a spanner in the works there. Uh, so, so, so I think I answer this on FITV more coherently than I will now. But if you look at a, a bell curve, right, 
um, that's kind of like how a player's price works on Football Index, right? They start when they're like 17 or 18 or whenever they're IPO'd. They get to a peak and then they fall down to zero, right? After some point, at some point, they will fall down to zero. The The thing is, the issue, I don't really have that much issue with the price of Messi. I have more of an issue with a price of some of the youngsters that will never, ever, ever, ever return as much as Messi does in even one week or a month, let alone like a season in their whole careers compared to someone like Messi. So a lot of people may say, oh, well, he's overvalued or, you know, he's a depreciating asset. And these are things you can say and but you can't really model, right? You, you don't know when he's going to stop performing at his peak. You don't know when he's going to retire. You don't know um, how good Barcelona are going to be in the next 10 seasons. These are variables that we don't know. So when people are talking about modeling this and modeling that, the only simple model you can do is kind of plotting his price on a, on a bell curve, looking at his age, and then, I don't know, looking at the average retirement age of a of a player etc i don't know what you could do but the, the issue i have is that if you put other players on that kind of similar bell curve you put all these other youngsters there event like at the start of their careers they all have the potential to on football index win as much dividends and pb and mb whatever type of dividends as messy over the, the chance of, uh, over the totality of their career however no one will do that or maybe 0.00001% of youngsters will do that so my issue is there are so many of these players at prices where they'll never ever 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 get to um a price where they can uh, a place where they can actually return consistent dividends that it actually becomes slightly dangerous and it's great for fi because they've got loads of money and loads of players that um they're actually uh return uh, that, that they don't have to pay out on but in terms of the market as a whole if people keep on coming in you're basically relying on new money feeding more of these youngsters if that makes sense you're relying on money coming into these youngsters um to to actually trade out with them because i've seen a lot of back and forth where people say okay fair enough but Messi's not for me i'd rather go into a player that i could trade out of but you know what if they don't win any dividends for the first three months they break into the team how far will they drop i mean i, I think we saw this with paqueta for example flew up played in the team didn't return any pb dropped a dropped a, a ton we even saw it with you mentioned Callum hudson Adoy there right he played in a game away from home against liverpool who were gunning for the title in the semi-final of the champions league played awfully it wasn't probably his fault and he dropped like 40p that's a lot in terms of like old money right that's one pound 20 that it was a nearly a 10 percent drop so I, I think the index is so reactive uh in terms of prices going up and in prices going down that this is going to keep happening but i'm going to go back to the bell curve thing for a little bit a lot of players that are coming out now in terms of these youngsters their bell curve is going to look pretty much like a flat line where they ipo then they go up a little bit and then they peak and then they go down to zero right and that's going to be their career i'm talking about the the Makedas, the J. Emmanuel Thomases, who, as an Arsenal fan, he broke all the like youth scoring records at one point, and we thought he was going to be the you know the next big Arsenal youth product. Think about how many players actually break into 
uh, teams these days. Even Barcelona, who have got an amazing record of bringing players through. You look at someone like Sergi Roberto, right, who was going to be the next guy coming out of La Masaya. Look at Gerard Delefeu. Look at all the Christian Teo, like all these guys who now you look at their prices and then look at all these other youngsters who are trying to come through. It's just like I don't think people understand the actual downside of some of these youngsters. And it's really risky. They just say, OK, well, Messi's 31. He's going to hit zero at one point. So let me sell. Whereas I think I saw some of the, the reciprocating arguments being, oh, well, you can actually trade out of these players. Um yeah, you can trade out of these youngsters because someone else will buy them. Well, I'm pretty sure if Messi wins like three PBs in a row or two PBs in a row or something or other or returns dividends in three days in a row over summer with MB, people are probably going to buy him. So, look, maybe his price is more pinned on dividends than a youngster's price, but people talking about a player going to zero, you should be looking as much at youngsters that could go to zero as you are doing Messi. So I think people need to stop having like tunnel vision on age and look at kind of the profile of a player in in their total package, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's it's a very well-rounded argument, actually. And and I agree with it all, to be honest. I think think we've got to a point now where because we've not seen these young players drop or we've not seen... We have seen them drop, but not to any extent anywhere near the amount that they possibly could have or the fact that they then rebound or that people they, they're seen as safe because people like the fact that they've got 10 years they could do anything yet you know they mm. the thing that's going to define whether or not their price goes up or down isn't going to happen now it's not going to happen in the media it's not going to happen in the next six months they might get in the team they might not but i can always rely on next season or the coming months or whatever whereas would they look at messi and they're like oh well if he doesn't win PB against whoever they've got in the semi-finals of the Champions League, Liverpool. Um, you know, if he doesn't win it there, then I've only got three games and it's summer and then he's just going to keep falling and, and people get into that mentality when, whereas like you say, he, Messi could return more dividends between now and the end of next season than any of these young players. But, and as I said, I, I'm now out of him. It's just because of the overall mentality of people that has forced me to do that. I would like to have held him and said, yeah, but he's going to win dividends. But he's, in my opinion, he won't cover the drop that he's going to get. And, mm. and I'm not saying the drop is right or wrong. I personally think it shouldn't be dropping, but he is. And then I do, I do. that mentality, if that makes sense. Yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from. But I think um, I think it was, uh, was it SOTD talking about the other day where these things change so quickly, right? The other day he rose, what was it like, over a pound in old money um, before the before the share split because he'd that you know he'd uh, he'd um, he'd returned a bit of uh, a bit of PB and MB. So <laughs> it's one of those things, isn't it? I think um, we just have to wait and see what happens in terms of a market, but. I think the dividend. You look at the top players on the index, and they are the ones that earn the most dividends, right? Uh, currently, the top players are Pogba, Neymar, and then you've got you know the the uh, the two youngsters, Jaden Sancho and Kylian Mbappe. But then Sterling, Hazard, Messi. Like dividends are always going to rise towards the top, and I don't think we've ever been in a situation, Liam, where the top player on the index is 
someone who doesn't win any dividends um so i think when you're comparing players you're looking at um potentially some people would be and logically this is how you would be looking at it prices that are at the top are because of dividends so i'm going to buy, buy players that will return dividends but i've got one more point on this and, and that'll be it but there are players like you know Benega and Parejo that people seem to be so comfortable holding, right? And I'm not saying buy this player or sell this player, the two, the two that I mentioned. And there's loads of others in that kind of same category who are kind of similar ages to Messi's and, and known as kind of PB darlings. But people don't seem to be as uncomfortable on them. Do you know what I mean? Do you think? Do you think that's strange, Liam? Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I'm trying to find him, actually, Beneg on uh, I don't know what price he's these days, because, again, that's another player I actually did get out of. Um, but, I, yeah, I do know what you're saying. Again, maybe it's the whole because he's so high kind of thing, mm. because the spread's so much bigger, and maybe they're worried that, you know, they're, they're going to get trapped kind of thing. You might not be as worried about having to pay out a six, seven pence spread or something on Benega compared to Messi. And I think, as well, I think we see a lot, you might be able to correct me on this, uh, but I think we see a lot of the, you know, we've had a lot of these huge spreads going on recently at, when something happens. Actually, I think of Son now the other day. Mm. Um, but I think a lot of those tend to happen on the bigger players as well. I mean, there was a time the other day where Pogba had a spread of like one pound something. And it's mm. like, and I, I think that fear of getting trapped in there, in a, in a as you mentioned, uh, people are describing it as a depreciating asset if they want to call <laughs> that. Um, I think that could be that fear maybe is the difference between Messi and, and Benega and stuff. But I would be interested to look at his graph actually, because I haven't since I sold him, I've not actually looked. I wouldn't know where he is. But you are right, he's been very good mm. um for dividends. And again, that's another player that last season everyone would have been buying for this season, you know, over mm. the summer. But as you say, probably maybe what happened this year because people are worried that he's old or something. But like you say, it's He's not, and he probably will do the same thing again next season if all the variables stay similar at, at similar mm. or whatever. Um, but, but yeah, no, I, I do agree. I think it's a very odd one. I just don't know how you change it. I mean, they've increased PB as well, and and it's still all right. It did peak Messi that day, and and you know a little bit afterwards, but then it's pulled them back down again. And I don't know, and it didn't exactly take money out of Felix or anything. Uh, yeah, <laughs> is, that, is that right? I've just seen he is now. He is no, he's back at three eighty four. Okay, <laughs> I did not know that. So he fell last night after the game to three forty, and he's now back at yeah. three eighty four within the last hour or so. Okay, cool. Yeah, see, that's that's what I mean. Like, why yeah. he is now one pound cheaper than Messi. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want to end on that before we we, we go on all day, but that is, I think uh, we'll end on that. <laughs> right. Uh, next question then is coming from Luke HFI, and he is asking. What is your strategy for flipping low value in player dividend or IPD players after the 30 days? Because he's been stung a couple of times having to instant sell to free up funds um, for the futures that are not that are worthless after 30 days. <laughs> um, so worthless, maybe something you want to pick up on with that. Um been on FI around four weeks now, so it's a pretty new. Um, yeah. So what do you what do you want to say about that? So so I made a video about this after I'd kind of had time to digest IPDs and and how they work. If you, if you want to go have a look at my video there, Luke, it's a reaction to in play dividends, and I kind of talk about why it's not entirely necessary to hold for just thirty days, right? Uh, and it's far better explained in the video with kind of the the graphics that I put on show. But look, if you hold a player 
And remember, if you hold a player, say, for 70 days, and on the 71st day, he scores a couple goals, there are going to be other people buying him for in-play dividends. And that will end up in a situation where his price increases. So you could actually wait until then, wait until the next time that they score a couple goals or do something great and 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 sell them then so luke don't look at the uh 30 day period holding periods too literally um your futures aren't worthless after 30 days you just can't return dividends on them it doesn't mean you can't exit that trade after that yeah exactly i think that's exactly what i've said to be honest i think um and on the flip side of that you don't have to even hold them 30 days you could buy them and they score three and they go up 10 pence and you're going to get more out of selling them 10 pence higher than holding for the next 30 days, you know? So I think, yeah, I think 30 days thing is to be looked at, but not, not too closely, as you said. Mm. Uh, next question from Cameron. He is, okay. I like to try a new question. Okay. We'll just skip that bit. Uh, <laughs> do you check your port or even football index daily or have you gotten your players and just holding. And I've read that wrong, but you get it. <laughs> I uh, got the gist. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I, from what I know of you, I don't think you're a, a three-year hold man, but we'll see. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a three-year hold man. Um, but I, I wouldn't. Uh, I definitely say I, I spend a lot less time on football index than I used to. Um, I think you know you could probably back me up on this, Liam. Back in you know summer 2017, where drops could be 70 percent. It was a totally different ball game, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, players like, for example, I just mentioned him a minute ago, Felix, or someone along those lines, someone who plays for Ajax, something who isn't even in a, a, a PB league, if you were holding them for a transfer and some kind of news, even if it wasn't real news, it was a, a rumour or something, um, or marker or something like that coming out and saying that they <laughs> weren't moving, then... You could be looking, as you say, 50, 60, 70% drops. They were big drops. So you were always on edge all the time. I'll be at work and I'll be like, mm. oh my God, what, what's happening? You know, is, is, is anything come out about them or you, you're just waiting for something to happen on edge all the time? It was actually quite a shame. Yeah. Now I look back at it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would say the same. I definitely don't check it as much as I, I used to. Um, but it is, it is still checked daily, definitely. But mm. I would say that it is. Um, as stressful or as needed as it used to be i don't no no yeah i i it, you're right i mean i've woken up to bail dropping by like 20 percent. i woke up to maratta dropping by like 30 percent. you know this stuff happens right but what what can you do yeah exactly uh we'll, we'll quickly move on from that i think um right so we've got a question about the long-term future of the index so we've got a question here from uch he is asking do you think to secure the index long term they need to get into bed with someone like bet365 in order to ward off the potential threat of them doing their own version of the index and crashing the market um so i don't really know from a business sense why why bet365 would ever resource the creation of something like football index you think about fi as a thing and it has like 35 to 40 million pounds in it the CEO of Bet365 took home 350 to 400 million pounds in the last tax year. So you you tell you tell me why the exec level team at Bet365 would ever consider creating a football index competitor when they make so much money off fixed term bets. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can I understand the point that the yeah. question. Um, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying as well because obviously they they would upscale, but they, there's a lot of variables that they would have to make sure happened in order to upscale it enough to make it worth their while. And, I and also, if they did it, Liam, would it? would it jeopardize their actual existing business model well exactly yeah that's another thing because i think if you speak to many people on football index now they've definitely cut down if not stopped their regular betting um Mm. so yeah you're right if you start taking uh money out of their usual uh inflow revenue at bet365 into this other product then really they're just cutting off their own nose really aren't they so so yeah it's it's something i kind of understand the point of it though what he's trying to say about uh, the possibility of looking to, I don't know, maybe be taken over in order to get hold of a wider audience. Um, but I think organically they're doing that pretty well, to be honest. I just keep going back to the situation where Bet365 makes so much money from dumb money with fixed-term betting that they have absolutely no interest in creating something that would potentially shift money from their existing business model. Because essentially, although it would be in bet365 and another offering from bet365 it would essentially be another business you'd have to treat it as another business right yeah exactly yeah um yeah may, yeah i don't i wouldn't agree, uh, expect or agree on the the bet365 thing um you know in terms of what what he's saying but i would kind of open up the floor maybe to a bit more of the idea of oh should they get into bed with someone that's going to uh, maybe boost their user base um that would be more of a question i'd possibly ask but i think again i think they're doing it more than capably enough on their own with the marketing that they've done and and again i think too much money coming in at one time as stupid as it sounds could possibly be damaging um if everyone you know they all of a sudden got taken over or they joined up with some other company again not naming names not saying bet365 but i think if all this money comes in and no one knows what to do with it half the users now don't know what the platform actually is and <laughs> blah 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 and it, it would just become very confusing and so i think the way they're going is the right way to do it it's it's not exactly slow to be honest when you look at the returns a lot of us have made but it's it's organic and it's it's bringing in users yourself and there are over three hundred thousand now and what's been three yeah. years so i mean they can't cut it's not as if it, they're desperately crying out for someone to come and and save them or take them over so so yeah, it's an interesting thought, but yeah, I would agree with you on that one. Uh, cool. So Jay has asked, has your interest in FI as a game ever altered and why, if so? If not, why? What keeps the interest? <sighs> Tough question to answer. I, I, I would only say the only time where I didn't really pay attention to FI very much was when there were those issues around the buys and sells being incorrect. And at that point, I kind of just said, okay, I'm just not going to buy or sell anyone. Uh, I didn't deposit, I didn't withdraw, I didn't do anything. And I just didn't, yeah, literally didn't do anything on Football Index for two weeks. That doesn't mean I didn't check it, see if like it fixed every day. And obviously I was still making the con- uh, content on it. Um, but it, certainly that is the only time where I felt pff, not really interested in this. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree, actually. I was the same. I didn't want to do anything that was going to mean I had to be in contact with, you know, customer service or whatever, <laughs> trying to sort out whatever had gone wrong. Um, the only other kind of way I'd look at that question is say that my interest did change a lot when they introduced PB, obviously. Yes. Um, because at a time before that, I was just reading the Daily Star, trying to find out what's going on, you know. But <laughs> now we actually have real football stuff 
uh, moving the market, which is a lot better. So I'd say that's the only thing that's changed in my interest. But other than that, it's been pretty solid all, mm. all the way through. Um, so Fi Gardner. Um, that's it. <laughs> when he when 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 uh, when he asked this question, I looked at the handle and I really want to know what what's behind it. Like, did he find Fi when he was gardening? Does he does he listen to the podcast when he's gardening? Like, what is? I I just think like. You look at loads of FPL FPL question uh, handles and there's like loads of random ones, but with FI it's even crazier. It's like FI random word. No, I'll tell you what it is. He's uh, I looked at his thing because I had the same thought. He's a uh, he's a professional landscape gardener. That's what, he's, that's what his bio <laughs> that is says. quality. That is quality. I love um, that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe Ross Dyer can get him to do his garden. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> um, so, so yeah, similar um, question here from Fi Gardner who asks, uh, "Fig, do you have any days where you do not do anything? Do not do anything to do with football index, or has it become part of your normal daily life, like knocking one out or taking?" <laughs> I definitely spend a lot of time on Fi when taking dumps. I g- genuinely do. Like it is that is part and parcel of the game i think at the moment i think also the way my commute works i have to take a bus then the tube on that bus i'm kind of like catching up on life admin and one of those is answering dms on twitter um and you know having a look at the port seeing if i can shift some things around are there any players that need to go are there any that need to be topped up all that all that good jazz but definitely i think when i you know when I go on holiday, you know, when we're recording this, uh, apart from when actually having to answer a question, I haven't looked at FI. Uh, when going on holiday, I tend to try and put, you know, Twitter, FI and all these other apps that I don't want to use into one folder um, and kind of concentrate on just like having actual downtime, which I think is important in everyone's life. Right. I think if your life is ruled by any one app, then it's not a good situation to be in. And Football Index is no different to, to those apps. Yeah, definitely. I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier. I think about how uh, it's. I spend less time on FI now and how it's actually a lot less stressful than it used to be in the early days and stuff, which is good. I think users don't feel the need to be constantly on it. I mean, some people might be um, constantly on it, obviously, but they're not chained to it as, as badly in terms of a, a worrying sense of, oh my God, is, is this player going to collapse? Or, you know, you can kind of enjoy more downtime and keep it out of your life a little bit i've probably mm. what's what's the longest you've gone without looking at do you think in terms of days like uh, hours a week maybe i don't yeah. know i went to i went to i was on holiday in the u.s recently i didn't look at it for the week for a week i've been there's been situations where i've been like so slammed at work that um get home and the only time i've had a look at it was when i'm in bed like situations like that in yeah. terms of like daily life so look it, it's totally dependent but what what about you yeah similar actually as it was the same i went, I went to canada there was uh, probably a week or maybe 10 days or something there where i just left it like i couldn't be bothered with trying to find a way to have a look kind of thing mm-hmm. just, just enjoyed um you know just enjoyed some time away from it which like you say it can be nice Okay, so next question is from Football Index Mason, who has asked, do you believe that the rapid growth in new traders has caused players' prices to be under or overpriced? Possibly so many traders now that the reason we have all this hype value 
is because so many people want to get in early. Now, we kind of mentioned this before. I think you go back to your bell curve argument mm. and, uh, you know, people could potentially be the next Messi and all that kind of stuff. Um, what do you think about that? I think the whole getting in early thing has become an absolute obsession with FI at the moment. And I think that is really reflected on the way the market has gone like people want to be in as early as possible to say that they got on that player a pound or whatever and i think this is kind of normal human behavior actually if you you look at you know you messaged me the other day you know if you'd bought uh amazon stock in 2015 when fi had started uh it, it would have over tripled in value which is kind of nuts to think about right so but that wasn't even getting in early right you know there's people i know that have bought amazon stock way before that and they must be really like up loads um so I think that's a kind of obsession with football, football, uh, but also in life in general. Like, but also if you look at football Twitter, there's always these accounts that are talking about players that no one's ever heard of, and then they retweet when they've kind of like banged in general. I mean, if you look at the the podcast I do with Matt Santangelo, State of Play, we always talk a lot about young players and and what they could potentially become. And usually we try and like plug them again if they're doing really well, like Samuel. Chiquese being one of them the first ever player that we profiled which was at the beginning of the season so almost a year ago now was uh, Moise Keane and he's obviously only just kind of broken through and having a lot of hype around him so we're seeing kind of people going back to that episode and listening to it and I think that's kind of the, the nature of how people are doing things in, in general I mean you're even looking like at, um, different products, right? Uh, I mean, I'm on, I mentioned disruptive uh, products like Monzo before. There have been loads of people that have been with them from the very start and they feel some sort of loyalty to it. So I think uh, products in general, the way people are building businesses is by kind of creating a really sticky audience of people who have been there from the start and then leveraging that audience. And that's what Football Index have done, right? There's people like you and me who, who have been there from the start and now we make content directly because of football index and i think it's just kind of a shift in one real world kind of business propositions to um kind of like just the general psychology and mentality of people in general not just football index traders and and three kind of the way football has started to operate in now uh whether that's social media that i've just mentioned with those twitter accounts that the content that i've make that's away from football index but also football clubs like they are investing massive amounts of money in their their youth facilities and also players that are young you know uh you know ronaldo went for 100 million pounds but asmane dembele went for 160 million pounds or the euros whichever one it was like people are buying for the now but then there are people buying for the future and whether or not they will get that money in return remains to be seen but they are willing to make those investments you look at you know rodrigo and and um and valencius as well for real madrid both went for big money from straight from brazil to real madrid the biggest club in the world so people are football clubs are looking at the the price that Neymar went for and went okay look I'm not paying that money for Neymar I'm just trying to get the next Neymar so I think this is a big shift in general um to, to answer that question way more long-winded than it needed to be <laughs> very good actually I got nothing to add on that was uh, <laughs> so, yeah you covered all bases I think that's a very good point though about sorry real world football and uh and comparing that to FI like you say we've got a lot more money going to these kind of young players and I think that's what 
a lot of people are looking at these young players on Football Index as well for possible transfers. Now we've seen the likes of Rodrigo and stuff like that happen. They're not thinking, you know, clubs aren't, like if you look at Man United when we were going for, we, we were going to that phase where Fergie just left and we were trying to bring in Di Maria or obviously now we've brought like Pogba and it's like trying to buy those established players hasn't always worked. And now people are looking, as you say, oh, well, what if we just buy this young player and then, I, in a way, they're probably looking at it the same way, that they could buy a young player, it might not work out, but then they can sell them on with five, ten mm. years of their career left and get more money back than they are currently, you know, they would do for someone like we did with Di Maria or something, you know, they could possibly still sell at a, at a profit, even though they've not got what they wanted out of them because of how much that player's got left in their career. So I suppose, yeah, we kind of brought it into FI as well. Um, in terms of the question, um, the hype value, yeah, I think we covered that really um, earlier on as well with the messy stuff mm. about, you know, it just being, is a lot of it really just, you know, there's nothing really there. It's just hype. It is just buy this play because this play has gone up. Mm. I think we have seen a lot of that recently, but then I don't know where it would stop. So that's uh, the problem for me as well, I think. Hmm. But yeah, so if if you're happy with that, we can move on. That was a yes. good, uh, that's a very good explanation there. Uh, <laughs> the topic of goalkeepers now. So Alex Wood wants to know: Do you see a different future for the goalkeepers category? World class goalkeepers are worth pence. So do you think they should they should look at increasing the points for saves, clean sheets, strong distribution, etc. for goalkeepers? Oh, God. I don't know. The only real issue I have with it is the distribution side of things where a goal kick is seen as a pass, but I don't know what you'd class it as if it's not a pass or a clearance. Uh, I don't know. The only real way you'd have to do that is to make it in another category, which is long passes, which I suppose Opta could do, right? But then does is a long pass worth more than a short pass? I don't know. That There's, again, that... I don't know. Maybe I think I think the the matrix itself obviously has a lot of flaws, but there's only a few categories that I think you could add, and that's maybe dribbles, uh, successful dribbles, um, and then maybe long balls. I don't know though. I don't know. Um, I think IPDs are probably the the thing that have been done to make goalkeepers more valuable, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that you can't really argue all the time that this person is worth this, they should be worth more. Why is no one doing anything to make them worth more, if that makes sense? Like, not everyone is going to be worth a set amount. Like, it's a market, you know, and certain players, like you said, Messi are going to be better at doing certain stuff than other players. Mm. Goalkeepers, in general, obviously, there's some very good goalkeepers out there. We, who did we see the other day that did, like, a record score? Oh, it was the Empoli goalkeeper. Empoli goalkeeper. Like, he made 17 saves. They had 42 <laughs> shots that uh, I was... Was it Atalanta? I think it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. Two shots, and he saved seventy. This only the second time ever that uh, Sofa score gave out a ten out of ten rating for a goal. Wow, that's incredible. Um, he's like nineteen as well. Um, I actually know someone who weirdly owned him, um, so <laughs> he, he got a little rise in uh, the dividends and stuff for that as well. But yeah, that was crazy because that was on a. No, I'm gonna butcher. I'm gonna butcher his name, but it's uh, Drakowski. Drakowski. Right. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah, 17 saves, the most in one of Europe's top five leagues this season. Crazy. But, yeah, but, but then I suppose when you look at that's what you have to do to win PB as a as a goalkeeper. I, I understand the argument, but like you say, it's one of those, well, just don't buy them. I don't sound horrible, <laughs> but 
you know, if they're not valued, that's always going to happen. There's always going to be winners and losers from whatever matrix you have. You could make the perfect one and certain players are not going to win. Yeah. I, I, do, I do think it, it shows, though, that we have to see a like generational goalkeeping performance for someone to win or to be star player, which kind of means that, you know, if you're holding goalkeepers, they're almost never, ever, ever, ever going to win PB, which I, I guess it's up to Football Index to to change if they feel that they want to do that or not. I don't really know, but it certainly seems that probability-wise, that's maybe a bit too large, right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the thing is as well with goalkeepers is it can, like, like obviously he had an incredible game, um, but you can look at and say, oh, well, De Gea is one of the best goalkeepers or Oblak is one of the best goalkeepers. Mm. But sometimes they're the best goalkeepers because they make outstanding saves. They might only make one save in that game, but it's an outstanding mm. save. But how do you quantify that to then mm. say, oh, well, this should, this save should be worth more because it was so good. You, you know, even if you give them more for saves, they might still not come anywhere near it because even the world-class goalkeepers aren't making that many saves. They're just very, very good ones. Uh, it depends, though. Like, I mean, to to to, to say, take the other side of the argument, I've seen David De Gea at the Emirates make, like, a good eight, nine saves and win United a game. So, and but I think that if it takes double that, to win PB, that's maybe too many. Like, I don't know what they could do. Because I think you could argue that even if saves were increased a little bit, the probability of them winning is still low, but the odds have slightly shortened. And whether or not that kind of um, reflects how often a goalkeeper is giving man of the match, for example, then, you know, I, there's so many things to consider. Yeah, no, no, I, w- I would definitely be open to the idea of, you know, increasing the... Uh as you say, increasing some of the points that they're already having, like the saves or whatever, to bring them more into the balance of possibly winning, uh, you know, mm. the defenders and goalkeepers category. Mm. Um, but I do think the the IPDs are a step forward. It was the first time I ever bought goalkeepers, um, <laughs> really, I think, other than maybe for transfers or whatever. So I, I did have, I did okay with uh, Leno and just Stegen over the last month or so just because even though Leno I think kept three clean sheets but I got rid of him just a little bit higher and it's like it wasn't a lot of profit but it was a mm. different type of trade it was more yeah, yeah, yeah. out really um, yeah. but yeah I, I do understand um, the argument behind it and it could be done to be honest I could tell you I could tell you this for free that the goalkeeper that I chose for the, the squad builder is, is done horrifically in terms of um, in terms of actual price <laughs> Oh right, okay. I won't name who it is yet, but um, you'll find out at the end of the month. Which uh, it, it hasn't gone well. It has not gone well. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, right, if we go on now, um, we're going to look at fig trading strategies. These kind of questions are going to look at your best and worst trades. This could be interesting. Um, so, Fi Floody wants to know um, what are your best and worst trades? Um, oh, God. What would you? What would be your advice to traders heading into their first transfer window with FI? And that's a good one, actually. I like that question. Oh god. What would be my best advice to someone heading into their first ever transfer window? I'd say understanding that uh, concrete news is not the only thing that drives player prices so that you know an article from the sun or the mirror however unreliable it may be could still affect prices uh but then on the flip side when those prices are affected by those um non-concrete 
uh, situations or news, then you might look at that as a situation to, to kind of profit. You remember Perisic a season ago or maybe the season before that where he was linked to Man United. It was last summer, wasn't it, when he was linked to Man United so often? Where Was it? Yeah. It was, it was, it was. Um, and there were so many situations where you could buy him and sell him but then knowing to not be afraid to buy him when he's fallen a lot so what i say is you know don't be scared to buy those players that have dropped a lot just because of one article because you never know unless you know it looks like they're going to china or something you never know whether or not you know they could be linked to another club or they could do really well at their current club for pb in the next season I think I don't know, Liam. Do you have, have you got any advice for people on the summer transfer window? No. Yeah, I think kind of uh, what you just said in in terms of it's never over till it's over kind of thing. We, <laughs> it, it, you can really and there's a graph that I've used a lot recently um, from the 2017 summer where, as I mentioned earlier, like Lukaku, um, Morata, and Belotti was the other one kind of, <laughs> kind of involved where all three of them were, you know, going to Man United and it was just a merry-go-round and the prices, one would go up, the other would go down, one would go up, the other would, and it was just crazy. Um, but yeah, as you say, when they've gone down, it doesn't mean that it's over. Like, I remember getting rid of Morata at like, at the time, it was like £2 something. And he ended up like, then he went to Chelsea and it was like £5 for like, granted mm. it was only £5 for like one day, but just because I was so worried, I was like, oh, it's, it's gone down so much now. It looks dead in the water. And obviously, I didn't know Chelsea were involved at that point. Mm, um, mm. But the risks are definitely there. Um, not as much as they were at that time, though, to be fair. Um, because people just seem a lot more happy to hold. I mean, you look at, um, what's the Mexican forward's name? Uh, Lozano. Yeah, yeah. You look at him and, and he you know, was supposedly going to go somewhere after the World Cup last year. And then he didn't. And he dropped a little bit, but not much. And now he's higher priced than he was then. Yeah. But I think also in from a footballing perspective, a lot of these teams are becoming a lot better at keeping their players, right? I mean, you look at some of the Ajax squad, it's it's amazing that they managed to keep that core together last summer and in January. Do you know what I mean? Like, it seems as though some of these smaller teams are becoming better at keeping their players. You look at... Um, I'm trying to think of, you know, Tottenham aren't a small club, but you know, as the, as an Arsenal fan, I might say that. But they've managed to keep Harry Kane. They've managed to keep Dali Ali. They've managed to keep Alderweireld, even though he he might go. They've managed to keep all these players that are potentially worthy of playing at a higher level from a club standpoint, and they've done really well to do so. Uh, and you look at we mentioned Perisic, right? Inter Milan managed to keep him uh, out of the clutches of one of the biggest teams in the world. I think teams are becoming better at keeping some of these players because I think the the risk for players has become, if if they go to certain teams, they kind of ruin their legacy, um, even if they get more money. I, I don't know. but I, And also some of these smaller teams are able to pay out some some, some bigger money because of the TV, TV rights and stuff. So, I mean, you look at some of the Premier League teams that we've got right now, uh, West Ham, will they manage to keep hold of Philippe Anderson? They managed to keep hold of Lanzini, for example. There are so many teams that have managed to keep their players a bit better, whereas beforehand... I think we saw situations where the disparity between the money that the top teams have and the bottom teams have was so big that, you know, United could put 10 million on the table, 20 million, 30 million, 40 million for anyone and they'd go and get them. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't quite feel the same now. Yeah, the the smaller clubs seem to be in a lot better bargaining position. Um, As you say, they, they seem to be holding out for more money or being able to keep all of them all together. 
you had like Fakir or whatever last summer. I mean, I know that deal did nearly go through with Liverpool, but th- those kind of things where they're managing to hold on to them. But as we kind of were talking about a minute ago with this, the summer and stuff, it, it doesn't seem to be the be-all and end-all like it would have been before. Whereas that, if that had happened and this transfer is nailed on and then it cancels or it gets, you know, or something's happened and, and the transfer is off, that would usually in the past would have, you know, you'd have seen a big drop in that player. But now people are happy to hold them until next summer or the next window. And we will still see drops, and and it's a lot more riskier holding transfer players in the transfer window than it is holding them now in the build-up to the transfer pl- uh, transfer period. That's for sure. But I just think that the risk isn't anywhere near as high as it was before, especially when you look at the fact that some of these players are still winning PB at these clubs. And as you mentioned, like Benega before, Sevilla are a good team, but they're not incredible. But you've got he mm. can knock out big scores all the time and it's like sometimes they're even better staying at their old club or whatever and mm. so it's not completely writing people off which i think is a good thing about summer because that in the past or if if what happened in the past happened now could have potentially put off a lot of people i think but i i can't see it happening too much mm. uh, whether the new media payouts being bigger may cause a bit more volatility i'm not sure um but i think that was you know it would be going up and then going down as much kind of thing it wouldn't be that players will be hugely dropping because of that sure sure to, to the worst trades and best trades question i kind of alluded to it that there have been some howlers obviously and um as as anyone some of the best ones i think have been i guess apart from ones that have been a bit more long term i think there was last season about maybe march or this kind of time i had um Isco and Sergei Milinkovic-Savic that were kind of two people that I'd um, uh, highlighted as as big buys for me at the time. There was I'd bought 800 futures in each. Um, so that's the equivalent of 2,400 now. And uh, Isco was not really playing. Um, and I thought, you know, the upside is there that if he doesn't keep playing, the transfer links will come. And if he does play, then people might buy for PB at the time. And I was like, okay, well, that seems like a, a no-lose situation or a situation where if I do lose, it's going to be a 10% drop. And to be fair, alongside that, I'd actually gone in heavy on Thiago Alcantara at the time as well because I thought he might get a move. But I think injury scuppered that and I think I just about broke even on him. But And then Milinkovic-Savic was one that I'd literally finished up accumulating him uh, maybe four or five days before he went and scored two and, and one-star player, which was like really, really lucky. And I think... Maybe I'm just one of those lucky traders, I guess, where sometimes I buy players and then they get linked to to someone the next day or win PB the next day. So, um, yeah, I think think those two have probably been my best trades. Worst trades, I mean, God. uh, I, I think I remember the summer that you're talking about being quite brutal where you had to be okay with taking big losses on players because that's just the nature of what the roundabout was like and if you you know i'd made a lot on Belotti at times but i'd also lost 200 300 400 pounds in one trade on him Murata, uh lukaku as well at the time um i think 
probably yeah one of the in during that summer i'd had a i had a few howlers but you had to just write it off and and look at making that money back somewhere else and i think overall i made a lot of money during that summer but that wasn't to say that i didn't make a lot of bad trades as well so yeah those three um were were situations where i did definitely lose a lot of money as well make a lot of money as well yeah fair enough just just coming on the the bad trades as well i think something we kind of mentioned it earlier that people do and i've been guilty of myself is um looking at the historical pb and just kind of holding that player and just thinking it's going to come they're going to get a win and a couple of them that i'd, I'd done that with really was um sergio ramos is one that i was chatting about early today actually yeah um, but he's one you know at the beginning of the season it just looked like he was going to win so much dividend like, <laughs> real, real madrid started real good he was taking penalties it was like this guy is going to be like rolling in it and then he's just done nothing since. Yeah, he got to he got to like five seventy five in old money, didn't he, or something like that? Five eighty. Yeah. Now today is like ninety p or something. So yeah. It's like halved over the season. And you think about how the market has grown and where that money could have been. But you know, you sometimes and and you can look at that and it is a bad trade. But at the same time, it's a bit like the look could have always gone the other way. He could have got a game. I think they had two or three penalties that were game-winning penalties when he was banned or something. And it's like, if he'd have been playing that game, you know, you, you get the win. And it's like, so sometimes bad trades happen and it isn't all totally your fault, but there yeah. were signs from him that, you know, it wasn't going to happen kind of thing. But I think mm. some people, as you say, and I did with him a bit, um, I don't have him anymore, but I up until the point that I did have him, which was quite recent, I think it was after the share split. Um, oh, right. Three, it was when they increased the dividends actually and everyone bought him and he went up quite a lot i was like right okay see you later like, Time to go. <laughs> yeah i think um i think i actually held him f- until 580 but then i i remember instant selling him at like 515 or 520 like that was the instant sell price but i, I mean i was quite happy with that because i could see bigger downside just because I'd watched Real Madrid a, a lot more closely, I think, uh, in that kind of period when they weren't doing well, and I just didn't see any turnaround. Like I just genuinely thought they were going to continue to continue to do badly, and luckily I predicted that correct correctly. Um, but there, there could have been the other side of it where um, he, they they started to do really well again, and he scores, scores loads of penalties, and they make it to the Champions League final, or whatever. There's that kind of he he wins some MB as well. I don't know. There could have been that flip side, but that didn't happen, and, and luckily in that situation, I made the right um, the right situa- uh, decision. Yeah, exactly. So we'll move on. Uh, we're going to combine these two questions, I think, um, around the subject of Mister ASP. Um, oh yeah. So we've got the index mule is basically asking, um, how do you think large sums of money leaving the market will affect FI's short term plans? Um, then goes on to see if you're concerned about that kind of thing um and then grinder from slack is also asking uh, were you surprised about asp's departure or was it something you have been expecting how do you think the market coped with one of the largest holders selling up so two similar questions there um yeah i'll let you just take that one um i mean if it's actually happened if if it's actually happened then he's genuinely left the index with 800 circa 800,000 pounds a couple weeks before a big announcement i'd be massively surprised because i you know i've spoken to him at length before um via twitter but also on the podcast he's a very intelligent guy and i think that 
if you were looking for an exit point, then surely you'd have waited until the um the announcement, right? Because you would have assumed that it would have been positive. However, if it's happened, then it's actually a massive positive, knowing that Football Index could so easily pay out. I don't know what your your thinking on this is. Totally agree. Um, I mean, I, I've I've nothing against the guy. It was very good, and in a way, it was it was very good for the platform with all the money going in and, and the positivity that he spread. But if he has gone, I would be happy with the departure in terms of the fact that you know it was so seamless and that eight hundred thousand just disappeared and no one really noticed. You know, there, there was a bit of a drop at that time. It kind of coincided with when he'd said that he'd left. There was a few downs on on the top players um but nothing you know it wasn't drastic imagine back when we started you know 2016 2017 even if someone pulled out 800k you you would be crying like (laughs) (laughs) i mean i mean throw it back even to um was it uh after the first in play dividends announcement when loads of people left the, the index do you know what I mean? That was really jarring and like hurt a lot of people. But that was people with, you know, tens of thousands leaving. So I don't know. Uh, if this is true, then it was seamless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if it, if it is true, then fair enough. It's it's uh, it's his decision. As you say, I would be surprised at him leaving at that specific point. Um, but it was I don't, I, the thing as well, I suppose he, he was a smart guy. He wouldn't have exactly just instant sold everyone. He would have probably been doing it slowly, which is why we wouldn't have seen a huge impact, I suppose. So it's not the same as seeing something happen and then everyone panic and pull out money because that would obviously go down in a different way. But yeah, I personally still can't. I, I won't believe it till I see it kind of thing. Because um, as you said, <laughs> yeah. it would have been a strange time to do it. Yeah, uh, but maybe he has, you know, uh, good luck to him and he's come out of a lot of profit. He's done very well for himself. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't begrudge the guy if he, you know, puts balls on the line, sticking in 100k and then leaves with 800, like, fair play, you know? Um, lots of goats. FI has got a sort of question. Uh, it's a good idea, though. He's saying, yeah. um, I think, uh, just a great idea I've had. <laughs> a ref... Referring, referring referring to the european public european publications and mb in the future what he's looking for is mb to be paid out in for each country in a similar way to the pb breakdown and the star player setup so i think what he, what he was kind of say there so he says uh, talk about that for a bit which is fair enough okay we will do um <laughs> he's trying to say there is you know we could have a similar setup to we have in, in terms of performance where we have different positions, but rather than positions, we have different countries. I think that would make sense. Yeah. And to be honest, it's something that I had uh, heard was in not exactly that, but I had heard a lot that they were really interested in bringing in different media um, outside of England. Um, I think Germany was the one that got mentioned the most for some reason. Yeah. I think when we talked about it with Nick, who used to work at FI when the first time he came on, he talked about kind of siloing it for each different users in terms of, you know, you'd have German media, but just for users in Germany. But this actually makes more sense, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think both would have the same kind of effect in, in, in a sense that it would even out the playing field because obviously all the German users would buy all the German players that are in the German press. And as long as we're all still operating out of one market, it would kind of even that playing field out a bit but yeah i agree i think it would probably make more sense to do it that way because obviously we're a lot more in touch with the english media the germans would be more in touch with the german media 
that is, you know, saying that Germany ever comes onto the index. You know, we've just about got Sweden at the minute. So mm. we'll see where that goes. But no, it's a good idea, actually. I like I like the idea. It would I it would be interesting to see what it did though. It would level the playing field, but I don't know if it would be as much as leveling by the other players rising or leveling by Pogba et al falling because mm. obviously their chance although their chance would still be there, but I imagine the PB would be less because they couldn't pay out like three P for mm. every league or whatever. So it'd maybe be like one P per country and then like a one P star player if you like for the one that's top out of all of them maybe I think is mm. what he was trying to suggest. Uh, yeah. it's a good idea I think. I think that's interesting. Yeah but then I guess to play devil's advocate to to both of us, would we Yeah I've slipped in the phrase, haven't I? Uh <laughs> if if it made it more complex is that in football indexes um is uh is it in their kind of what's the word i'm looking for isn't their interest uh to do that because i mean the step that they've taken is to open mb to everyone maybe it makes sense to just have one centralized mb again i don't know i don't know it depends how much uproar there'd be from the next community on either thing yeah i think it would be one of those where if they were to do it they would have to increase the media payouts again um because that's what they've done sim- like recently isn't it where where the chance of winning has decreased at any point, they've always coincided it with the dividend increase. Even with this now, with the, the summer, you know, that the, after the summer, they're going to increase uh, mm. the number of people that can win the media. So the media dividends have now been increased. I know that started now, but I'm pretty sure that will have been in their thinking is that they've increased the media now. And then at least it's in, it's increased for when the NBA opens up to, you know, thousands of players. How many of them will win it? Probably not that many. Mm. Um, but you know the the chance when the chance of winning decreases, I think they've always coupled it with a dividend increase. So they'd have to think about that as well. I think, um, but obviously, they I feel like they would have to increase it anyway in terms of because you'd have five leagues, and you're not going to pay out like half a pence per league or something like that. Because then what would be the point? Mm. Uh, I'm not saying they need to increase the media dividend. By the way, I'm more than happy with what they've just done. But I'm definitely just in this scenario, that is probably how they'd have to go about it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, okay. Um, well, yeah, very good question. Uh, do you feel confident you can plan a long-term portfolio or is there a nagging feeling if I will continue to mix it up? <laughs> Funny that we've just question. talked about uh, change. Exactly, yeah. Very good question because you think about the stuff we've talked about already, the goalkeepers, this change in the media, there's all these things where people kind of want the change, but then at the same time, people don't want change. Um which I understand, I'm kind of the same in a way. Um, but yeah, what do you think about that? Do you think it's possible to plan long term? Sure, why not? I mean, look, all these changes, Liam, and who are still the top two on the index? Like, what? Why not? I mean, anything that I've, I keep saying that any changes football index make, they are still going to be in the interest of the likes of Neymar and Pogba. I mean, you could argue that the um, the opening up the MB thing is not going to be in favor of them but the mb payouts have increased so when they win it's going to be a bigger win <sighs> i don't know look i i think that people have clearly done it right football index chat who has held neymar since the start he, he also uh holds players for a long time uh, all the time so i think the proof is in the pudding people have done it so i think you still can plan for a long-term portfolio portfolio but with the caveat that you should probably 
diversify those holds so that uh, so that if there is any announcements and they t- catch you off guard, if they're very surprising, you're not completely destroyed by them. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think the way Football Index has evolved over the last few years, they've always done it in a way such that it's only enhanced the odds or enhanced the payouts for everyone. It's not really, there's not been many times where they've hindered you know, a, a certain hold by making a change without compensating it for like an increased yeah. dividends or whatever. Um, so I think they've done that very well. So yeah, I think I I would feel confident in that. A good question, I think. But yeah, I think we both agreed that that we we can possibly plan long term, even though there are changes. And hopefully, I think there won't be many changes now mm. um, for the next few few months at least once once we get rid of uh you know once the top 200 and squad thing is scrapped and we go into one i imagine it will just go into one mm-hmm. list of players and stuff i think from there hopefully we will see a bit of uh a bit of calm and a bit of consistency mm. but yeah i think overall even when they change it they've always more than compensated for the changes and it's never really negative effectively definitely negatively affected anyone uh so we'll move on to the fi investor from slack he has asked, what are the top three things FI should address over the summer with regards to platform, communication, or trading activity and behavior? Very mm. good question. Possibly a long one that we could maybe <laughs> summarize. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for, for me, it's I think the comms have improved. I think clearly there's still something to be done on the tech side of things if you consider how quickly the platform just died when there is so much volume onto it i think i wrote on the blog that betfair exchange could in theory handle nearly limitless transactions or at least millions and billions at a time so i think football index have to really look at their infrastructure and look at why it's happening uh, or why the bugs are happening when loads of volume comes in and everyone's on the platform at the same time because for it to scale in terms of millions of customers that has to be looked at now i think i'd like them to look at the onboarding uh, i think ollie pb in the last episode talked about how there could be a little tutorial when you first open the app or a little question mark to help traders kind of roam around the app and, and locate different features that they might not though that, that, that are there and and then i think on the other side i think there just needs to be an iteration and um tightening up certain things or making them more, more robust maybe not over this summer but longer term we've just talked about mb and how um you know we talk about the the scoring matrix for mb it's it's done from a random or arbitrary uh matrix that was just taken by from someone who'd, who'd made it in their free time do you know what i mean and the fact that we don't have european media is, is also strange pb i think that's a, a bigger one and a and a harder one to fix but mb i think should be a bit more simple and maybe not this summer but maybe in the next 12 months or so yeah that's fair i mean i would would agree on most of those to be honest i think um as every platform i suppose would have at this stage that there is a lot of stuff they're doing really well there's a lot of stuff that they could still improve as you say comms to be fair to them have improved i like the fact that they're doing these announcements and they're uh you know suspending trading giving that half an hour to digest but then they know that after that half an hour people are going to be like crazily trying to click to buy like you said they need to somehow work out to make it more robust that they can take that that amount of traffic and be able to actually you know let people trade because i think it was like nearly eight o'clock uh on the monday before 
I, I actually made a trade like or I was trying I think I ended up buying more Pogba than I even tried because it was saying I hadn't bought them then it actually bought more which turned out okay <laughs> but could have gone the other way kind of thing um so yeah I would I would agree with what you said though to be honest again it's the subjective areas of MB not so much MB but PB definitely um MB yeah could be tightened up I think but but no other than that I don't think there's any huge things that they need to be like oh thank god it's the end of the season we can sort this out now like there is little niggly areas i think yeah and of course they all add up but yeah definitely the onboarding thing i think is is probably it, the biggest thing because it's all right people like us making guides and stuff and and even with you the amount of people you get messaging and the amount of followers and stuff you got now it's like ten thousand. did you get there yet you're nearly ten thousand. is it now i think something like that yeah close to that mate yeah so so like it's a lot of people but then you think there's three hundred thousand people on here god knows how many have signed up over this year mm. only a fraction of them will have come across your guide or my guide or someone else's guide and, and like it's very difficult to use just the site to work out what the hell is going on i think mm. um so yeah you're right i think a, a little tutorial or something would be very helpful in that respect definitely cool uh so right we wrap that up pretty okay i think um <laughs> wants to know how would you go about attracting a fancy football crowd and how would you go about attracting the betting crowd well, i'll start with the betting crowd because i think that's the one that i've uh covered more so in in the latest um q a that i did on on youtube where i've been getting questions from people and trying to go a bit more in depth and a bit more actually thinking about the questions and, and answering them a bit more coherently in front of video I think that with the betting crowd, you have to talk about kind of the value in the bets that are on FI and they're kind of look at how people are losing money longer term with betting and try and convey it through marketing. I think that's the key rather than actually significantly changing anything from a product standpoint. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, I think so. Um, I th Yeah, I think stuff like where which I, do, I am a fan of i'm glad they've done it but you look at betting companies where they've introduced these i know they do it on sky bet i don't think they've got it on bet365 yet but they've introduced this area where you can look at your betting net profit if you like over the last yeah. month or six months and yeah i don't think that's doing the actual company any further at all like you can easily compare something like that to fi you know you can see how much money you've put in see how much money you've lost Mm. Uh, one you know some people are winning but not everyone's terrible at betting like me but um you know i think something like that has really not helped them and when you can compare that to ours i mean i know i remember adam cole i think i think you were there at the london meetup i think it was the first one ever yeah and he compared it to like bitcoin or something <laughs> and i was like it's not really the thing to be comparing it to yeah yeah <laughs> and, yeah I mean, it showed that Football Index was, you know, the footy had risen more than Bitcoin because it was crashing at the time, or whatever. But, you know, I think comparing it to or trying to draw people's attention to that and say, look, look at what you're winning with bets and look at mm. what you could be winning with this, even if it's the same amount of money. You know, if you think some people put just 20 pounds of bets on a, a week or whatever, all right, it might not be as instantly returning as a winning bet. But, you know, you can still over that time, if you can now look at the six months, period on your sky bet or whatever and say oh well actually i lost this much money so i'd much rather have it in here and at least come out with some profit even if it's a percentage term like 10 percent or 15 percent or whatever like that looks more attractive i think mm. so trying to make 
get people to now use that to compare rather than just comparing it to like arbitrary things like Bitcoin or whatever. <laughs> Whatever's falling on the day, like, oh, look at Football Index and look at gold today. Or look or at Sainsbury's. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, but no, I, th- I think the betting crowd, I think they may be getting there with uh, with that one. The fantasy football one as well. What do you think about that? I think there's, they've already been attracted or a lot of them have already been attracted. Um, and I think that... I don't know. I think that maybe what we talked about earlier with spending that marketing budget on some fantasy football podcasts, something like that, or um, I don't know. I I think there was this view early on in F5 that fantasy football was a a massive competitor that you couldn't do both at the same time. I remember having lots of chats with Adam Cohen saying, look, you really need to try and isolate and leverage this audience because it's massive. There's 600 or 6 million, 7 million people using it with, you know, 1 million plus uh, active towards the end of the season. It's massive. And he was like, well, why would people go on FPL when they can use FI? And I think that's the wrong way to look at it. The the casual FPL player maybe spends... 10 minutes a week on fpl whereas if you can convert not convert them but also get them using fi and get them using it for two hours a week then you're on to a winner there how they do that or whether or not their marketing team have even considered looking into that situation i'm not sure but i think they definitely should and whether that's through um you know um kind of those podcasts that i talked about or people that make youtube videos on fpl i don't know but that's the situation where i'd look at again i think both those things are more from a marketing side of things than a product standpoint i don't think the product has to change massively or pivot to try and convert those two crowds i i strongly believe that it's on the marketing side yeah that's fair actually Uh, i think stuff like as well if you looked as you say advertising in in the podcast or whatever of um fantasy football you know writers or bloggers or whatever stuff like that and i think maybe using for example if the pb matrix is actually similar which i'm not huge on fantasy football to be honest but if you looked at the sense that the best 11 for one week in fantasy football and you compared it or you could then say look if you'd have had this 11 and you'd have owned it on football index then Mm. what you would have won and this is how much those prices moved over the weekend something to kind of compare them against something for them to look at and say oh well actually i i picked this team for fantasy football i could have made money on that or more money on that yeah this kind of thing to maybe try and but again i don't know if that would require a change of the of the matrix but i think they're pretty similar aren't they really mm, yeah i don't know you don't get stuff like passes or whatever but yeah um, but but yeah but no i think they're on the kind of right lines and you know they're tripling the budget or whatever so i think hopefully we will they will tap into those markets a little bit more but as you say i think we're definitely getting scraps at least of both of those markets already um hopefully someone can follow mm. uh, if we move on to misto's question can you see fi being talked about can you see fi being standard talk in the pubs eg instead of i've got city to win and over 2.5 goals it's changing to i've just bought 100 raheem sterling last night and i hope he has a blinder that kind of thing what do you expect that to be something that comes about at some point probably i mean if you consider that people always say that about fancy football as well i've got him in my fancy team i hope he scores don't see why it's too far off i don't i really don't see 
No, I, I agree, actually. Uh, I think it's something that definitely you could you could be doing. The only thing, the, the immediate thing that I think about there is like, which sounds strange in a way, is privacy. A lot of people mm. don't like to tell people who they own or tell them people who how much money they've got in this platform or whatever. Uh, maybe you wouldn't quite be like, oh, I've just spent a thousand pound on Sterling in case, you know, he goes off injured and everyone's like looking at you like, oh, you melt, you know, if you've put... But, but you could say, there. I've got some Sterling, right? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. No, I think it, it definitely could easily become the the um, that talk, that kind of talk in the pub or whatever. Mm. Um, I just don't know how much of a detail you go into, but yeah, definitely. I mean, especially when they're advertised on Sky Sports, whatever... I'm sure it does happen now already, but obviously not as big as betting. But mm. you know, there's that kind of that kind of stuff is definitely there. I think I've had it in the past where friends, <laughs> I've, I've kind of asked, "Oh, have, have you got anyone in this game? Or who you watching? Or who do you own that's playing in this match or whatever?" You know, like so. I think it's probably more than likely that it will happen. Hopefully, again, it relies on, as you say, the marketing, how they go about it, what kind of things they end up putting the money into, and the audience they attract, but. Yeah, I, I wouldn't rule it out at all. Um, I think we've got one final question, um, which has been thought through a lot of them. Um, so ne- never win. That's an uh, interesting title positive, <laughs> name. Positive start. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> never um, win. Never win has asked: Can the top end of the market still thrive and achieve high <laughs> share prices like before the split with the current share dividend structure? And is there any viable alternatives to restructuring dividends in a way that they could help that? Or are we looking at a weaker top end each each share split? Okay, so he's expecting, I think, here that there's going to be, you know, we're going to do a rinse and repeat job. We're going to, the prices are going to mm. go up and then we're going to split again and then it's going to get more and more diluted, I think. Mm. Uh, which is an interesting point. Do you think there'll be another share split? I uh, I don't. I've got a feeling that's the last one. But we have seen them talk about the potential of decimal places before. Um, but but then they've kind of backtracked on that by not allowing decimals with the recent dividend structure with IPDs, right? So oh, it's a tough one. I don't. I think because they've it seemed as though you know at one point they were so set on making the order books and then they've started playing with the spreads a lot more in terms of instant selling and now there's less chat about the order books we had chat about the decimal places and then they didn't use decimal places for the payouts in terms of ipds so how would it work if you could buy 0.1 of an amr but then you know i don't know uh, maybe that's they've wanted to keep those payouts whole numbers for marketing reasons there's so many things to consider i think there's been good ideas talked about in terms of how you could have a percentage of commissions that could be attributed to an extra add-on so if there's really a lot of volume of trades that fi could add a percentage of the commissions taken onto the star player or onto each uh top player and, and pay that out to two people i don't know there's there's loads of things that they could do it's just whether or not it makes the uh, product a lot more complex or if it, it really moves the needle in terms of make them making their business model more sustainable yeah no i i agree i think i mm. i do like the idea of the decimals but again i think that's mainly because of the fact that as you say if they were to do another share split now and they split by three again then you have to buy what like 2700 shares to move pence like mm. at whatever price that is going to be 
a lot on it. I mean, to be fair, we were worried, about, or maybe you might not have been, but I know some people or whatever were worried when it went to 900 that, oh, prices aren't going to move. Yeah. We've, if anything, I think we've probably seen the opposite of that. Like, there's times where I've seen a 50p rise. I think, wow, that would have been £1.50, like, you know, before old money, and that's not happened. Or, like, this morning we've seen Hazard's dropped, like, 50p, and no one's panicking that much, I don't think. I've not really been on the team. Yeah. But, but, you know, if that had been a £1.50 drop, everyone would be like, oh, my God, that's crazy. Even though they are, in essence, the exact same thing. You know, I think... So I, I think the movement's still there, but I, I couldn't see them doing another share split personally. But I think that would be a long way off anyway. I think the, yeah. 900, the 900 thing definitely helps that because, like you say, it slows down the price increase in without slowing down the possible profit, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, mm. But, but yeah, um, and the other part of that question then was do you think the top end can still thrive? So do you think that money will start to come out of the top because of how much money capital in terms of actual cash it takes to move pence? Um, or do you think do you think it, it will continue the way it has and the way it always has done in the past kind of thing? Well, I mean, we saw Felix rise like 60, 50p in real money when he scored a hat-trick, right? So that's a, a lot of capital required to move him. I don't see why it should be any different for any other player, right? No, exactly. No, I, I agree. I think I think we'll uh, be okay. I don't think it will stop the top players rising. Um, I think, like you said, maybe they'll do it a little bit slower, but still see money go in and, and money cause it to go up. A lot of people just hold the top players anyway, so it's not yeah. we're worried about, oh, well, it's going to take this X amount of time and then people are going to start pulling because, you know, look at Pogba or whatever exactly people will be sat on him like you said look at chat he's had him god knows like three years <laughs> probably like it's crazy um so yeah no i think um i think we're in a good place overall mm, um, agree and i'm really looking forward to summer uh that is the last question amazing we've gone two hours right so we are all out of questions um thanks a lot for everyone that's listened hopefully i've done a decent substitution job in taking figs roll um been nice to have him in the hot seat for once if you're on your <laughs> commute right now uh, have a nice commute if you're not then enjoy whatever else it is that you're doing uh, again sorry if we didn't get a chance to answer all of your questions uh, we didn't want anyone falling asleep um, <laughs> so yeah it's been great to be on the show and i look forward to coming back have a nice week guys thanks for listening everyone <laughs>